You're listening to the Grace Family Church Podcast. Notes for today's sermon are available by downloading the GFC Florida app. And I get the, the fortunate opportunity to be able to kick off a story that many of us are very familiar with. 
I know those of you guys joining all of our campuses, many of you guys, just by a show of hands, how many of you guys heard the story of David and Goliath? By a show of hands, okay, almost all of you guys have, whether you're a little kid, again, some of you guys are watching, maybe you're not even a, a Christian and you're just kind of checking out this message that somebody sent you, you've heard of that story. And I'm going to go ahead and give you a spoiler alert. David wins. And so let's just go ahead and get that out the way. I'm going to go ahead and give you the spoiler alert. But we're going to look at this story through a fresh lens. I really feel like if you'll open your spiritual eyes, you'll open your spiritual ears, God has something that he will bless you with today. And so we're going to look at this story of, of David and Goliath. And again, I'm going to go ahead and set the stage for the time that we're going to look at in Scripture. It's around 1010 B.C. And as I look at my Scripture, I look at the text. What you had, I'm going to go ahead and give you some of the key players that are in this story. You had these two nations that were, that were getting ready to go to battle. Just kind of think about like a war and a battle. But in this situation, you had clear the, the good guys are the Israelites. And then on, on the other side, you had the, the Philistines who were the, the bad guys, right? So the good guys and the bad guys. And they're gathered and they're getting ready to go to war. And what they were looking, they, they were, they, they imagine this uh, like, a, like a stadium. I'm not for sure, like, I don't know, what, what's, what's Tampa's football stadium called? Raymond James. So Raymond James Stadium, on one side, you got the good guys, right? You got the Bucks, so the Israelites, right? On the other side, you got the, the bad guys, I don't know, the Patriots, right? So like, like, like I don't know, but like, so you got the good guys over here, the bad guys, and then the field is like the middle, and it's like, it's called the, the Valley of, of Elah. And that was really important because it was whoever controlled that, controlled kind of that nation. It was the sycamore trees and the grain and everything that they would give for that. So they were in this battle for that. And when you think about wars today, like in battle for like territory and, and what's going on. So that's what you have going on in this particular story. And again, the economy matters for this. So they wanted to have some controlling interests. And the first player we're going to look at in this story is, is this big giant named Goliath. And Goliath stood nine feet, six inches tall. Everybody say nine, six. Like nine feet, six inches tall. Like that's really, really tall, right? I mean, it's almost hard for you to imagine. But if you, if you do some research, if you think about the tallest person that's lived during our time, it's a guy by the name of Robert Wadlow. He was from Alton, Illinois. They call him the Alton Giant. And when he died, he was eight feet, 11 inches tall. And some of you guys are like, man, I never heard of that. So like real life, in our time, there was a cat that was eight feet, 11 inches tall. But Goliath was nine foot, six inches tall. I mean, just think about that. Like how tall is that, right? Like that's crazy. As a matter of fact, like Shaquille O'Neal, he's seven foot one. And so you think about seven foot one, eight, 11, and nine, six. I don't know about you guys, like, but when I'm watching like NBA games, like, it's really like the most fun part about the NBA games is making sure that you catch the TNT broadcast, right? By a show of hands, how many of you guys like to watch like Shaq and Barkley? Okay, it's a handful of you guys. Anyway, but me and all these people, we know what we're looking at, right? And so like, like Barkley, like he keeps it 100 and then, and like Shaq, like I love Shaq, but I don't know how much commentary he offers. They're always like, you got Kenny the Jet Smith, he'll go up and he's like doing a diagram on the screen and breaking down the plays and and Barkley's giving his like raw, like unfiltered version of, of what many of us are thinking, but he's only willing to say. And then I was like, well, well, Shaq, what do you think? Well, Chuck, I think they just need to get the ball down to the big man and score. <laughs> All right, thanks, Shaq. That, that was, that was, we really appreciate that, man. Like, but, but I love watching it. So again, nine foot, six inches tall. And then you had David. David was a sharecropper, and David had eight sons. 
And his oldest three sons, they were out there on the battle lines with the good guys, with the Israelites, right? Y'all tracking with me. So you got Goliath, you got David. So you got Jesse, I'm sorry, Jesse had his eight sons, right? So Jesse had eight sons and David was one of them. And his three oldest sons were out there on the battle lines. And David was the baby, right? So the three oldest ones are out there on the battle lines and David is the young one. He's the one that was supposed to, to stay back and take care of the sheep. Like his responsibility was to, to scoop the sheep dung. Translation, he had to scoop the poop. That, that, that was David's responsibility, right? And so he would sit back and that's what he would do. And again, he did all the little stuff. Like he was responsible for all those kind of things that the big brothers didn't want to do. And then the oldest brother, his name was Eliab. And Eliab was like the one that fashioned himself after the warriors of that time. And, and he was the good looking one. I mean, he was the, the chosen one. And, and again, he was the one that, 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 that he was like, he was the man and he thought he was going to be the next king. But he's also the one where like God shows us very clearly here that, that this is a situation where the, the Bible tells that, that man looks at the outside, but God looks at what? He looks at the heart. He looks at what's on the inside. So that's what's happening with, with, with Jesse. With, you know, when you look at Eliab, that's what happened. Like he rejected him. And then so, so Jesse goes to David. He's like, David, I want you to go out to the battle lines and check on your brothers and see how they're doing. And I want you to do is I want you to take this roasted grain and corn, go out to the battle lines, check on them, come back and give me a report of what's going on. Right, so, so again, you're tracking with me. So he's sitting there, he's talking to dad. Dad says, take this cornbread. So, so David is just doing what his dad asked him to do. He's got Jiffy cornbread in hand and he goes out to the, he goes out to the stadium. He sees the battle lines, he's looking. He's trying to find his brothers and next thing you know, he, he finds his brothers like, oh, hey. And then Eliab says, man, what are you doing out here? Man, dad, I, I don't know if this is exactly how the conversation went. I wasn't there. But, um, but, but he goes and says, yo, man, what you doing out here? Well, dad sent me to bring this, this roasted grain and corn to you guys. Well, man, we don't want you out here. Don't you see we out here going to war? Well, I'm just doing what dad told me to do. Well, we don't care. That's why we don't like you anyway. That's why we never even let you get on the Xbox because you always running around messing with us, going back somewhere. And so David's like, look, I'm just doing what my dad asked me to do, right? And about that time, you think about it, it's going on, they're sitting there, and then next thing you know, there's this big, ugly giant that came out and to do his normal disrespect. He came out to do his disrespect. The whole army was out there. And I love what the Bible tells that, that he came out, Goliath stepped out to do his disrespect in the morning and in the evening because that's when the Israelites were praying. And it says that he did his disrespect. He shouted his defiance. He disrespected the one true God. And the Bible says, and David heard it. There was an entire army out there. But the Bible tells that this little young shepherd boy was the one who heard it. And that's where we'll pick up into the scripture. So uh, 1 Samuel 17, verse 25, uh, that's where we're diving. This is a three-point message, a three-point message. I'm a three-point preacher. And so it'll be, uh, when you know that I'm on the third point, you know that we're almost done. And the title of today's message is Giant Killer. As a matter of fact, I want you to turn around. I want you to, to touch three people and say, I am a giant killer. Touch three people. And here's the deal. If you don't touch three people, here's the deal. I'm telling you, man, you're going to end up getting diarrhea. Not just touch one. I'm going to pray, I'm going to pray for diarrhea. And you know, I got a special connection. Yeah, I see some of y'all touching and touching. You know what I'm saying? But, but I am a giant killer. So we're going to look at this message. And 
And what we're going to do, what we understand about giant killers as we look at the life of David is this, is giant killers, they're willing to act. Everybody say act. It's an acronym. The first thing if you're taking notes, here's the A on act. What you got to do if you're going to be a giant killer, first thing you got to do is you have to acknowledge there is a giant. In other words, you have to acknowledge there is a giant. Again, like how do you expect to take something out that you're not willing to acknowledge? How do you expect to deal with that situation that you're not even willing to face? How do you expect to, to deal with that anxiety if you act like it doesn't exist? How do you expect to, to, to defeat that alcoholism if you're just saying, oh, I'm just a casual drinker, but you drink every single day, multiple drinks a day, and everybody else tells you you have a problem? You got to be willing to acknowledge there is a giant. And here's the Bible says, verse 25. So again, he stepped out, did his defiance. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. And he says again, mind you, David's sitting there. He's got the cornbread. He says, the king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. So they're out there, and David's like, yo, I'm going to get this straight. So if I take this big ugly dude out, I'm going to get the king's fine daughter in marriage and no more IRS, no more taxes. Here I am. Send me is what David said, right? Verse 26. David looked at the men around there, looked at his brothers. He asked the men standing near him, just want to make sure that I heard this guy right. What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? The Bible says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? So in other words, what's important is, is there's an entire army out there but David was the one who was willing to acknowledge the giant. And here's a part that I think so many people miss in this story, is that David was acknowledging a giant that wasn't even his. Like this wasn't even his battle. He wasn't in the army. And that's what you got to understand is sometimes you have to acknowledge a giant on behalf of a friend, on behalf of a family member, that, that family member that's struggling right now. You know who they are. And maybe you, you don't know what to do and you feel bad. Here is your reminder that you need to step out and you need to help them. Grandma stage four cancer. You're just sitting there saying, I'm praying, like, what are you doing to go lay hands on her to pray for her? What are you doing to help her out? What are you doing to help that friend or that family member out financially that needs it? What is the giant that other people are facing that you can be the hands and feet of Christ and acknowledge it on their behalf? Better yet, what are the giants that you need to acknowledge? those insecurities that you have, the giant of pornography, of drugs. Oh, I'm not talking about the, the illegal. I'm talking about the prescription ones that you overuse and abuse. What giants do you have right now that only you know about? Those you at Temple Terrace, Ebor, Lando Lakes. What's that giant that you walked in here with today and you know you need to acknowledge you've been putting it off? And putting it off and saying one day, well, that one day is today. You have to be willing to acknowledge there is a giant. That's what David did. David said, okay, like, because like, we all have giants in our life. I don't know what yours is. And I think about, like, I remember when I first went into um, 
to ministry, my, my giant was the fact that I, I wasn't formally trained. I didn't go to Bible school. As a matter of fact, like it's, it's interesting. Like I sit on the board of directors for Southeastern University. That's a Christian college. I didn't go to Bible college. Right? I remember I was a pastor at Life Church. I first started, and, and I was a pastor in training, right? I had been a pastor for three days. Everybody say three days. Come on, all of our locations. Everybody say three days. Three days. So I've been a pastor for three days. I'm a pastor in training. I, I remember the weekend came, and I was excited because I was a pastor in training. I get to watch what the, the veterans do and see what they do. And, and so I'm just looking and hanging out. And I remember after one of the services, we're, we're hanging out in the lobby, and I'm with one of the other pastors. His name actually happens to be David. And, and I'm with David, and, and he was training me for that weekend, right? And we're sitting there, and a lady comes up to us and says she needs prayer. And so I'm like, okay, cool, we, she needs prayer. And she started talking about, so I just remember something about her arm and, and the doctor and whatever, tomorrow, whatever. And so I'm like, okay. And so, okay, let's go to the office and let's pray over. So I'm like, okay, cool, I get to go follow because I've been a pastor for three days. That's right, so we go, we go into the office, right? And we get in the office and he said, uh, so she explains what's going on. And it's like, okay, ma'am, he says, and what we're gonna do is uh, uh, Pastor Scott's gonna pray over you and then he's going to anoint you with the oil. And he looks at me and says, Pastor Scott, there's the oil. Again, I've been a pastor for three days. I don't know, I'm like, the oil? You know what I'm saying? Like, what am I going to do with the oil, right? It was, a, it was a bottle of oil. Like, it was about this big bottle of oil that was sitting on the desk. And so he's like, he's like and Pastor Scott, you're going to pray for it. And I'm sitting there thinking like, you know you shouldn't have went into full-time ministry because that was a giant for me, the insecurity of did I have what it takes? I didn't have the formal training. And so I'm like, oh, Pastor, like, Scott, what are you going to do? What, how are you going to, you don't even know what to do with the oil. And so I'm just sitting there and I'm like, man, I don't know what to do with the oil, but I, I took the oil and I'm like, I don't know what you're supposed to do with it. So I just kind of like, just try to do something real spiritual. So I did like a spiritual shake, right? You know, I did a spiritual shake and then, and I got the oil and I did a spiritual shake and then I just prayed like, like, God, what am I supposed to do with the oil? And I'm, and I'm praying about what to do with the oil. I've been a pastor for three days, right? And I'm like, what do I do with the oil? And I'm sitting there looking like, yeah, man, I remember reading somewhere in my Bible where, where it said that, that they poured oil over Aaron's head and then something about Samuel pouring oil over David's head, right? And so, again, I've been a pastor for three days. I just want to do what's right. And so I just, I just prayed. I said, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, at the very last minute, as I was going to pour the oil over this lady's head, I just felt like God said, just, just get a little bit on your finger and, and make a cross on her forehead. And so that's what I did. And um, first of all, and I didn't know if that's what I did was right, but I did what any other well-trained pastor would do to see if they did it right. I Googled it. Yeah. <laughs> and I Googled it, and according to Google, I did exactly what I was supposed to. I, 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 want you, I want some of you guys to be honest, right? How many of you guys wanted that story to end with me pouring the oil over her head? Y'all wrong and y'all going to hell for that. Somebody, I can see it in your eyes. You're like, pour the oil. Pour the oil. Like, y'all in church, pour the oil. We don't care about her clothes. We don't care about her shoulder. Pour the oil. You know what I'm saying? I'll just say this, that if I didn't acknowledge the fear that I had about did I have what it takes, then I wouldn't have had the last 15 years of ministry that I've had. And sometimes you gotta, you gotta acknowledge the giant. So I acknowledge it, I faced it, and God is able to continue to do his work through it. So that's the A, acknowledge there's the giant. Second thing you're taking notes is this. You have to choose to trust God. In other words, it's a choice. Everybody say choose. At all of our locations, everybody say choose. 
Come on, Lando Lakes, you can do better. Everybody say choose, choose. You have to choose to trust God. So again, young David, he's there on the battle lines, right? He's having conversations with these men about this big giant named Goliath. And he's saying, look, man, I already heard what they said they're gonna do for the person that takes this dude out. Like, I'll fight this guy. And of course, everybody, his brother's like, come on, dude. You're a little shepherd boy. You're not even supposed to be here. Go on somewhere. How are you going to take this dude out? But he's like, you know, I'm going to take him out. I'm willing to fight. I'm going to be able to do what I need to do. I can care what he said. And Eliab got mad at him, right? I mean, you can't fight. And King Saul was like, King Saul was like, look, you know, like, I don't, I don't all due respect, young man. We appreciate it because, because, you know, David was about 14 or 15 at this time, right? Young shepherd boy. And he's like, man, we appreciate like your confidence, right? But not, not, not this, dude. This, this dude's a big giant. He's nine foot six inches tall. And again, and so think about it, like, he's getting ready to go out there to the battle lines. He's got this new opportunity, this new fight in front of him. And that's what you got to understand is he's getting ready to get promoted. What you got to understand is this, is that as you begin to reach new levels, you're going to get new devils. And that's what's happening because more and more haters are going to come out as you get promoted, as you go into this new school and this new opportunity, people are going to come out and you're going to get opportunities. And then the haters are going to start coming out of the woodwork. Saul said to David, verse 33, he says, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man. And he has been a warrior from his youth. In other words, he's been doing this for a really long time. He says this, he says, David says this, David says this to Saul. He's like, Saul, get it. I respect you, king, but this, understand this. Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, I struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair. I struck it, and I killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied, he has disrespected the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hands of this Philistine. And Saul looked at David and simply said, go, and the Lord be with you. So, so he, here's the, he recognized that he had found himself in situations before where there was a lion and a bear that was coming after him, and that all the odds were against him and that he still won in those situations. And I want you to think about a time right now where you found yourself in a situation and you know that it was only God that delivered you. That car wreck that you were in, it was only God. Your marriage was hanging on by a thread, it was only God. You came out of prison with a felony and you didn't think you could ever restart your life, but it was only God. You were divorced and you didn't think you'd ever find Mr. or Mrs. Right, it was only God. The doctors gave you a, a diagnosis and said there's no way you can beat it, but it was only God. And so that's what David recognized. He said, I've been in this situation before, and I know the doubters are going to be there. I know the haters are going to be there, but you got to be willing to trust God. You have to choose to trust God. It's a choice. And that's what David did. I'm thinking about a time when my family decided to we had to really, you know, trust God. We, we decided to go Star Trekking. We decided to go a place that a, a black man has never gone before. We decided to go skiing with snow. 
You know what I'm saying? So we decided to go skiing with snow, right? We're in the, the Pocono Mountains, and we're going up there to go skiing. It's my family, and we're going skiing, and like, we, we packed like, like extra, extra warm, right? Like, we had north, south, east, and west face jackets on. Like, we were prepared, right? And so we go, and like, we're so bundled up. We got gloves and hand warmers and goggles and whatever. And I remember we going up to the counter to, to pay, and I had to take off all these layers just to get to my wallet. And the lady looks at us like, where are y'all going? To the North Pole? Exactly. I think we're here. You know what I'm saying? So we go and we do the whole deal. How many of you guys have been skiing? By show of hands, by show of hands. I'm looking around. See, no brothers raising their hands at all. You said. But uh, anyway, so we go and we go, like you go, we do first thing you do, you do the lessons, right? I remember lessons, you gotta do this to stop, right? And so we do the lessons, and as we did the lessons, like my, my oldest son, Wes, like he was the best one out of all of us when we were doing it, right? And so as we're doing the lessons, whatever, and at the end of the lessons, like, you know, what, what are you supposed to do? I was the worst one, to be honest. At the end of the lessons, like, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to do what? Go back to the cabin, right? That's what I thought. You know? <laughs> You're supposed to go ski, right? So we go ski, and we're skiing. And man, one thing about skiing is when you fall down, like it takes forever to get back up. And once you get back up, like you have to kind of move around. And so we did all that. And as we kind of finished like skiing, like my, my oldest son, like he, he, again, he was the best one out of all of us, but it was time to like go and get on one of the, the little slope things. He was like, uh, Dad, I'm not going to do it. I'm like, what do you mean, son? He's like, like you were the best one out. I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. Like, I'm out. I'm not going to do it. I'm like, no, son, you got to do it. And I'm like, honestly, I wanted to be like a dad. Like, okay, cool, son. I'll stay back with you, right? But so finally, I just like, I just go, oh, and I lift up my goggles like, son, you got this. Trust me. He looks at me, and he kind of scoots off, and he goes up, and goes on slow, and he goes down, and he does, you know, does his thing, does good. And then about, I remember, like, he went down, and we tried to look around. About 30 minutes later, he can't find him. So I'm thinking he probably went and did the locker room, go ahead and turn all his stuff in or whatever. And then I'm looking, and then like, it was probably like 15 minutes later trying to find, where's Wesley at? And we look, and we seen this person coming down a little slope there that looked like they were from the North Pole. But the only thing is he was kind of like bobbing and weaving. He stopped and did the whole like, you thing, right? And I'm like, it was Wesley. I'm like, son, what are you doing? He's like, oh, he's like, dad, he said, you told me to trust you, and I did. It, it actually wasn't that bad. And oftentimes when we, when we take that step and try something we think is going to be tough and difficult, but when we go with God, it's not that bad. And he said, Dad, I'm, I'm ready to go snowboarding now. And so, like, he was willing to take that step because his dad told him it was going to be all right. Well, your heavenly father is telling you, he's telling all of you, he's telling those of you at all of our locations, those of you in the balcony, he says, that thing that you're facing, that you're scared of, it's, it's going to be all right. But you got to be willing to choose to trust God because I'm here to tell you that, man, like God, he's not moved by the size of your situation. God is moved by the size of your faith. How big is your faith? I'm telling you, that there's nothing that's impossible with God is what the text tells us. We always take out the with God. Matter of fact, there's nothing that's impossible with God. As a matter of fact, if you take the word impossible, you give it a little space, it simply says, I'm possible. And that's what God wanted me to remind you today, that there's nothing that's impossible with him, but you got to choose to trust him. And the last thing is this. It's the T. You have to be willing to take a stand. Everybody say, take a stand. Everybody say, take a stand. This is when we'll, we'll have the band come play behind me to make me sound more spiritual as I close. 
All of our locations, I don't know if you, the song from Bethel called Champion earlier. I was looking at the lyrics. Lyrics simply said, you are my champion. Giants fall when you stand undefeated. Every battle you've won. That's a reminder that, that God's our champion. He's undefeated. And when you stand with him, you can stand and go in that same level of confidence and undefeated that a young little shepherd boy did. And that's what you got to be willing to do. And so you think about the, the text, that's what it said. And that's what David did. He took a stand against this big, ugly dude. Everybody's questioning and sweating him. He's like, yo, man, I'm not tripping. I'm too blessed to be stressed. I'm not worried about this dude. And he's like, I'm going to take him out. And everybody's like, no, you can't. But Saul said, listen, if you're going to do this, at least do me a favor. At least put on my armor if you're going to go fight him. So David said, okay, he put on his armor. And he goes and he's like, he looks at it, he says, man, this ain't me. This ain't my armor. So, so he took it off. And here's what you guys got to understand. Many of you guys, you're trying to go fight battles with other people's armor. The armor that you see other people have on social media. The armor that you hear of these stories, the armor of your mama and daddy in them. But God's saying, I've given you everything that you need. You need to go fight this battle with exactly what I've given you. And so again, he's like, okay, I'm ready. Like, what have you given me? He given him five smooth stones. And so he goes and he has these five smooth stones and, and he has a sling. And he said, you know what? I, I've taken out a lion or bear with this sling and, and I, I've had these five smooth stones. And here's the deal. I don't know how to use that armor, but I do know how to use this sling. I, I've done it a time or two. And so he's ready. So I'm going to take this dude out. And Goliath is looking and he's laughing like, really? You send me with this little shepherd boy with, the, with this little sling? Like, what is he going to do with that, right? But, but David wasn't worried about what he said. He could care less what the haters said. He could care less what the negative Nancy said. And he said, you know what? I'm going to take this ugly dude out. And some of you guys are wondering, why did he go get five smooth stones? And if you do some further research, what the scripture will tell you and scholars will say is that in this time in scripture, there was something called blood revenge. In other words, if you took out my friend or, or my family member, right? My family member, my close family, that I'm going to take you out. And if you would do some more research, you'd know that Goliath had four other relatives that were also giants. And so some scholars will say that David went and got the five smooth stones to put those other giants on notice that once I take this big ugly dude out, if y'all come, I got something for y'all as well. Because when you beat that giant, know that another giant's gonna come out the woodwork. You beat alcoholism, it's prescription drugs. You beat pornography, it's sliding into inappropriate DMs. I don't know what the giant is that you're going to beat, but you need to be prepared for the other giant to come at you. That's what David said he was going to do. He says, I'm ready, right? So he's in this position called ready, right? And I love this. It says that in verse 48, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly to the battle lines to meet him. It says, reaching in his bag and taking out a stone. It says he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead and it sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. And so David triumphed over the Philistine with just a sling and a stone and without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. I love this. The Bible says that David ran over him. He stood over him. He says he took a hold of his sword of the Philistine. He drew it from the sheath and after he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. 
The Bible tells us that the enemy comes to do what? To kill, steal, and destroy. But I'm here to tell you that when you walk with God, you can do something that I call flip the script. In other words, whatever that enemy is that's coming at you, you can do that exact same thing that it would do. Matter of fact, you think about what David did. He killed him as he hit him in the head with the stone. And what did he know? He says that the enemy comes to kill. He stole from him as he took his sword out the sheath. And then what's the last thing that he did? He cut his head off and destroyed him. And David put everybody on notice at that moment that nothing is impossible with, guess what? My God, that this big ugly giant came and disrespected. And that's what you need to know today. Let me just close with this last statement. You see, David was anointed the king of Israel at the age of 15. But he wasn't appointed until he was 30. There's a difference between your anointment and your appointment. Many of you, you've been anointed for greatness, but you haven't stepped into it because, because you haven't realized all that God has for you because you're not willing to acknowledge there's a giant choosing to trust God. And more importantly, you're not be willing to take a stand. And you've got to be willing to do that. And I'm telling you, if you will stand against these giants, God will have something for you. You've got to be willing to take a stand. You can't be sitting there walking around all scared. You've got to be willing to act. The question is, are you going to act today? Are you going to continue to go around scared like that entire army was on the battle line? You've been anointed for greatness. You've been anointed for something special. The anointing's already there. The appointment's coming. You've got to be willing to act. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for every single person that's under the sound of my voice today, God. And God, I know as we're in a room this size with so many people online that there's so many people that if you're being honest, like there's some giants that they're facing and they haven't been willing to, to go after them like a young King David. And, and today's the day that they're going to they're act. They're going to acknowledge their giants. They're going to choose to trust God. and They're going to take a stand. If that's you at all of our locations, you want me to pray over you? Just that confidence. I just want you to lift your hand up right now that you want to be a giant killer. Hands raised up all over. God, I pray for every single hand that's being raised. People saying there's some giants in my life. Matter of fact, there's some giants that I need to face on behalf of others. And God, I pray right now that you would give them the tool that they can't get through this week without slaying their giants. They can't get through this week without taking the stand. They can't get through this week without going to the battle lines and saying, here I am, send me. And with heads still bowed and eyes still closed, I want to talk to you about something else real quick. There's so many of you today that I must be honest that if life were to end today, you, you can't guarantee that you would spend eternity in heaven. You can put your hands down. But some of you, if you're being honest, you've never truly made that decision to surrender your life to Jesus. And here in a few moments, you have the opportunity to do so. I'm not asking you, have you ever sang a Christian song? Have you done a good deed? Have you, have you been bold with one John? Master? have you stepped across that spiritual line and invited Jesus to come into your life and be your Lord and be your Savior? And if you can't answer that question with an emphatic yes, here in a moment you can make that decision. So if you're here today, you say, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my Savior. I want you to wash my sins away, and I want you to make me brand new. If that's you and that's your prayer right where you are, raise your hand high right now. Just keep it. I just want to acknowledge you. I see hand right there going up, sir. Welcome to the family of God. In the balcony right there. I see you over there. Others of you, right here in my, to my right, ma'am. Welcome to the family of God. Over to my far right. I know others of you online, all of our locations are making decisions to surrender your life to Jesus. So here's what we're going to do is we're going to pray this prayer out loud together in faith.
And then at the end, we're gonna go crazy and celebrate all the life change that's happening right here in our presence because we serve an amazing God and we gotta be willing to do our part. And if we will, God is gonna do amazing things. So I want every single person to repeat this prayer after me saying, Heavenly Father, come on, you can do better than that. Everybody repeat this after me saying, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus who died on the cross for my sins. Today I choose to make Jesus my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with the Holy Spirit, change me, and make me brand new. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Come on guys, let's give it up for changed lives. Come on now, come on now, come on now. Here's what we're gonna do. Here's what we're gonna do at all of our locations. What we're gonna do is, is the band is gonna lead us in the final song, that song that they did earlier, Champion. And I want these words to really sink in. You are my champion, that, that giants fall when you stand undefeated. Every battle you've won. So let's stand to our feet, let's worship God one last time. Thank you for listening to the Grace Family Church Podcast. For more info, check out gfcflorida.com or connect with us by texting the word CONNECT to 81313. We look forward to meeting you at one of our locations soon.